Kay Nelson, alcoholic addict. That's not my real name. I use a pen name here at the newsletter. Uh, I had to drive up to New Hampshire this weekend. It was my first time that I ever drove through New Hampshire. and I was only there for about a half an hour, but it was uh, quite an eventful 30-minute ride. Traffic was rough, so I ended up, I hit the state border going about 10 miles per hour on the highway, and that meant I could check out every single road sign at the edge of the road. And uh, here are the first three I saw. Sign number one said, Welcome to New Hampshire. Live free or die. Sign number two said, This portion of the highway is cleaned up by a local casino. I can't remember the name of it. And then sign number three said, Next exit, New Hampshire liquor store. Lottery tickets available. Open on Sundays. And then I, when I actually passed the liquor store, it was a giant multi-floor barn that was apparently full of booze. And it was a long drive, so without even thinking about it, my brain immediately started riffing. Like, damn, this is a badass state. Like, you can hit the casino, then hit the booze barn, get yourself some scratch-offs, and just live free or die on Sundays. Like, how awesome is that? And I've noticed <laughs> I've noticed that the disease part of my brain, it doesn't, doesn't tell me anymore, like, flat out, you should go do that. I've been sober a long time, and I love being sober. So that argument has not worked in 12 years. But what my inner voice does do is it starts from a place where it tells me, well, I can't do that, but boy, other people do, and I bet it's fun to just live free and get blasted and buy lottery tickets. And that's you know that's one no neighborhood over from imploring me to do it, but I, I do think the, the devil on my shoulder wants to ultimately land there with me, wants me to drink and drug. So the good news is all the positive thoughts about drinking or drugging, they, they last like one or two seconds in my head. That's about it. But they still are in there. You know, I was five seconds after that first thought on this road trip, I, uh, I was laughing, you know, but deep down, because deep down, I, I, that alcoholic addict part of me, it still exists. It didn't die just because I got sober. I'm proud that its voice is diminished, but I still hear it, and I, I heard it briefly on this trip, but I had a good chuckle about it, because I know the truth. The truth is, God knows, God knows what would happen to me if I tried that that gauntlet of vodka and then roulette and $25,000 a week for life lottery tickets. <laughs> I know what would happen. The sober part of me... Um, then sort of jokingly thinks about what the, the newspaper headlines would be in that local New Hampshire paper, you know. Connecticut man dies in tragic fall from top floor of liquor barn. Or Connecticut man projectile pukes in multiple slot machines, arrested for vandalism. Like, that's how it ends for me every time. So I can't do it. I used to have a harder time accepting um, those ideas and, and turning them around um, to recognize them as just ridiculous passing thoughts, and that's fine. Passing thoughts don't have to be destructive. I remember, I remember one time I used to have a hard time with that because I I I, sh I shared with a sober friend like why do I why do I still have drunk dreams? Why does my mouth still water when I see a, a beer commercial during football season? When does that go away? And this guy had more sober time than me, and his, his response it stuck with me for years. He said something like, "Why are you why are you beating yourself up for that?" the first thought, you know, that's what we do, man. We're alcoholics and addicts, you know, 
Just because you got clean and sober doesn't mean you've purged the idea of drinking for the rest of your life. And I nodded along. It was like so obvious, but it made sense to me. And it, But then he said the important part, the part that I try to take with me. Um, he said something like, you know, what matters is what happens next. If that thought comes in and takes a seat and stays a while, that's not good. And that's on you. You know what to do to make sure your second thought doesn't come in and pull up a chair too. And that's the part I always think about, the idea that I'm not responsible for the first instinctual thought, but I am I'm responsible for the next one. And I have, I have tools now. I know what I can do. I can pray, get to a meeting, call a sober friend, read a little recovery literature, even meditate for three minutes or five minutes. Something, something that would get me outside of my own head and something to get me to stop staring so longingly at a barn that is full of Smirnoff and bush light. So thanks for letting me share.